It's good to be here as Pastor Caleb um, already shared a little bit. My name is John Park. I serve as a pastor in uh, Seoul from our New Philly Seoul branch. And um, yeah, I have come to preach at New Philly Pusan a couple of times. I believe this is like my fourth time or something like that. But I enjoyed every single time. I love coming. I, I mean, who doesn't love coming to Busan, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm blessed today because this time I come uh, married with my beautiful wife here, Pauline, is right there. And then also my amazing, I'm, all, I'm double blessed because I'm, I'm here with uh, my younger sister. She actually just moved to Korea to, uh, to, to come and, and I get kind of nervous to preach in front of her sometimes. You know, because you know, because she knows, she knows me like the bad brother. You know, she knows me. You know. Anyways, uh, I'm excited to preach today. I want to share something that God has been personally um, really pressing on my heart. And you know, just to be honest, um, the way that we preach at, at New Philly in Seoul, there's two types of preaching. The first is uh, expository, which is where we kind of go through a sermon series. We go in order of the, of, the, of the passage. And then you're kind of assigned a passage where, like, you know, you're given Philippians chapter so-and-so, and then you have to study that passage as a pastor and you, you teach it. And then there's another type of preaching called topical, where you just kind of ask the Lord, and like, God, what do you want to share? You know that? For the past couple months, we've been doing expository in order. And personally, I prefer that way. You know why? Because, you know, Pastor Susie, our head pastor, she kind of just tells me what to preach. You know, she gives me a passage and I study it and I preach it. Topical sermons, I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, I have to like, I'm so stressed out. I have to hear, I have that pressure of having to hear correctly. Am I going to preach the right thing or da 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 da? And I get kind of stressed out when I preach topical sermons. And I call Pastor Caleb and I was like, hey, what like sermon series are you preaching on? Are you like, you know, give me a passage. He was like, no, you're free. Preach whatever you want. Seek the Lord and ask him for topic. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but praise God because um, the topic that I'm going to preach on is something that is uh, actually from my heart because it's something that I've been very challenged with. And this topic is called what it means to live with a childlike faith. <laughs> A childlike faith. Um, yeah, a childlike faith. <laughs> and I believe that you know I was quite shocked to come to this Changso uh, here, this uh, toy museum. Uh, it's cool. It's really cool. I came earlier and I was walking upstairs, walking around. There were no lights on. I was walking around. I was kind of scared. Like I felt like one of the dolls were gonna like turn his head or something, right? But. You know, I was walking around just praying for today, and I'm like, God, is this what you want me to preach? Are you going to flip the script on me or something, you know? And I got confirmation that I feel like this is what he wants me to preach. And also because, you know, I feel like preaching at a toy museum about childlike faith uh, has to do, have some kind of confirmation, you know? So, let me pray real quick. Let me pray real quick. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, um, I'm here with my brothers and my sisters, some whom I've met, some who I haven't. Um, and Lord, we are here because you made us brothers and sisters, and that's something to praise you about. And as a gathered family, we pray that we would not miss you, our Father. 
I pray that we would feel your love today. I pray that your word would pierce our hearts today. I pray that today's message would help us in our journey with you. So Holy Spirit, we confess that we need you. And I just ask for your blessing and your anointing to preach your word with power. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Let's just turn there. Let me give you a, a second to turn there real quick. The podcast is going to pick that up. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. Jesus says to his disciples, okay, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said this. They said, oh wow, it's up there. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest? And Jesus, he calls a child to him and he puts him, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn or change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Amen. Amen. Um, in the book of Mark, Mark also talks about this passage, and he includes this sentence. He says that Jesus said, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be what? last of all, and a servant of all. Mark includes that. Okay. Now here, the disciples, uh, you got to keep in mind, from the beginning, these stubborn fishermen, tax collectors, these disciples that were banded together by Jesus, they did not have automatic unity. They didn't like each other. Like, that's not something that, just because they're around Jesus didn't mean they automatically got along. They, they had beef. They, they fought. They argued. And they were in the midst of an argument right now. Another argument. And that argument was, they're trying to one-up each other. You know, they were trying to, you know, they tried to find an answer. And they went to Jesus. And Jesus, the main question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest? And Jesus said, you got to be like this child. You got to be humble like this child. You got to be the last, you know. He's talking about humility. And you would think, you would think that the disciples got it. You would think that the disciples got it. I want to ask you to turn to your Bibles, in your Bibles actually, to Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. Okay? And why I'm asking you to turn there is this. <laughs> right after Jesus said this to the disciples, he's continuing to teach. And guess what happens? This is what happens literally right after he said this. He says, And they were bringing, what? Children to him, so that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked the children. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was angry. And he said to them, 
Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a child, like a child shall not enter it. You see, you see the disciples, you, you, really, you think they would get it when Jesus told them. Seconds later, children are coming. And the disciples are like, don't let them come. But what, what, what was that? And so Jesus reminds them this second time. And guess what? You would think they got it, right? Scroll down a little bit or turn to the next page. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 37. <laughs> Let me read this. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. So kind. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And let's skip down to verse 41. And when the ten heard it, the disciples heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. And Jesus, for the third time, is trying to teach them. But whoever would be so great among you must be your servant. And whoever could be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Man, when I was studying this passage, the first passage we read, Mark, Matthew chapter 18, I was like, man, that's such a great word. Be like the children, be humble. I kept reading. I did not know that they had to be reminded again and again and again. Until the very end, when Jesus is about to get arrested and crucified. You know, who is it? James and John, they, they kind of go away from the rest of the disciples. They're trying to one-up them. And be like, yo, Jesus, yo, when you become king, when you come to rule and reign, let us sit at your left and your right. It's like, can you imagine what Jesus is thinking? He's like, ah, what, what, what did I just say? What did I just say? You know, these disciples, they remind me when they're saying, let me sit at your left and your right. Forget these other disciples. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of when I was a kid. And then when, whenever I got in you know, our parents' car, or, you know, we run to the car, even with the, just with our friends, we run into the car, what do we say? We say, shotgun. Shotgun, no blitz. You know, and, which means, I got front seat, there's nothing you can do about it. Shotgun, no blitz, you know. Disciples are like, to the disciples, shotgun, no blitz, we're sitting next to Jesus on the throne room. You know, so childish. So childish. And so immature, isn't it? If you're taking notes, the title of the message today, by the way, is From Childish to Childlike. Okay, from Childish to Childlike. Okay. So they ask, How do I become great? That's what they're thinking about, the disciples. How do I become great? And they're arguing about it. We can see clearly here that the disciples, what are they focused on? They're focused on prominence, competition. Position, elevation, and like I said earlier, they're 
focused on one-upping one another, trying to gain being favorite by Christ. The thing is, these disciples, these people were nobodies in society. The disciples, they didn't look at, I mean, Christ, he didn't come and choose disciples that were in prominent positions. No, they, they just found, he just found fishermen, tax collectors, etc. They were nobodies in society. And Christ was like, follow me. And they knew that. They knew that. But what happened? After some time with Jesus, they gained what? They gained some experience. They gained some experience. They cast out some demons. They prayed for the sick and they started getting healed. There was fruit in their ministry. And their belt was filled with signs and wonders and miracles, multiplying food for the 5,000 plus, and even just being associated with Jesus. They gained some experience. And all of a sudden, they think they're somebody. (laughs) All of a sudden, they feel like they deserve some type of status of greatness. It's like when I felt, for me, it reminds me, just a couple of years ago, it reminds me of when I would go to like big Christian conferences. And then uh, there's this guy named Lauren Cunningham. He is the founder of a huge mission organization called Youth with a Mission, YWAM. Somehow I got a chance to, to you know, talk to him a little bit and take a picture with him. And what did I do? I posted it on my Instagram. <laughs> Another time, I was with my friend in seminary, and then you know who came to visit to preach was this guy named Francis Chan, a very well-known uh, pastor. Okay? And I got to have an opportunity to have a group lunch with him. And I got a chance with my friends to pray for him. And then someone took a picture of that. Right? What did I do? I posted it on Facebook. <laughs> How childish, right? Why did I do that? I felt some sort of worth or greatness or some or some sense of value just by association. Here's what's even more childish. If someone brings up their names, you know, when people talk about them, I used to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we... <laughs> We we did stuff together, or like, oh yeah, 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 you know. Or even when back in the day when New Philadelphia, New Philadelphia Church, we used to be a very like huge like 500 plus people church. All these, we were like the talk of the town, I think. And then you know when people talk about New Philadelphia Church, I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I, I go there. <laughs> it's not like I really did anything like you know spectacular at that church at that time. I was just a member. Oh yeah, I am part of that. You know, we want some sort of like greatness. We want some sort of movement or association with the group or the popularity of someone else to kind of inject in us some sort of value other than the most important identity we already have, aka being a child of God. Beloved child of God. 
Can we just close our eyes real quick? And just out loud, can we just say, I am a beloved child of God. Ready? One, two, three. I am a beloved child. One more time. I am a beloved child of God. Amen. And that should be enough. Should be enough. It is enough. It's the greatest privilege to have that identity as the beloved child of God. The disciples, you know when they were asking Jesus, you know when when your kingdom comes, when you come to be king, can we sit at your left and right? Here's the thing. At least, at least they believed in Jesus as king. You know what I mean? At least they actually anticipated Jesus coming back. At least they had this belief of the kingdom of heaven. They wanted the kingdom of heaven, but they still had a worldly mindset. In other words, they wanted the promised land, but Egypt was still in them. They wanted to skip the wilderness. They wanted to skip the process of maturity. They have faith. We all have faith, right? We have faith. Jesus is coming back. The kingdom of heaven is real. We are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We have faith. But guess what? We still have a worldly mindset that we need to work through. We're in this wilderness called life. You see, the people of God, the Israelites, what I, what I mean when I say that they still had Egypt in them, is in Egypt, they still was filled and saturated with Egyptian culture. The classism was still there. The comparison was still Some kind of standard was there that they had to measure themselves by. But that's not so in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, actually, become like this child. Become like this child. Become like them. (laughs) Become like a child. We see here the pride of the disciples. Yet Jesus is teaching them that humility is the ultimate standard of greatness in the kingdom of heaven. Humility, I'll say that again, is the ultimate standard of greatness in the kingdom of heaven. But they were still immature and childish that we see here. He says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus was like, disciples, hold up. Y'all talking about greatness? And he brings a child, sits the child and is like, you got to be like this child. I'm sure the disciples, they were not, they weren't like, oh yeah. They were probably like, what? What are you talking about? A child? Why is something so helpless, so impractical? Someone with not much influence in society. Someone so unaware of the world and so weak and poor in spirit. Jesus, why are you pointing to... What do you mean that's greatness? Did you not hear my question, Jesus? Did you not hear our question? 
brothers and sisters, we are called to maintain faith like a child, but also grow in maturity. Okay, it's not either or. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Brothers, do not, be, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. 1 Corinthians 13.11 When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Jesus is teaching us here. What does it mean to grow in maturity? Christian maturity. It means to maintain a childlike faith. Amen? Here's a problem. Here's a problem. As we get older, I'm 34 years young, okay? But even in 34 years of life, as we get older, we grow in, you know, you guys are going to feel me in this, we grow in responsibilities, right? AJ's like, yeah, <laughs> I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> we grow in responsibilities. We experience more of life. And we are exposed to so much of the ugliness in this world. All these things, they influence and they shape us. Life, it hits us. With all this comes an increase in doubt, an increase in pessimism, cynicism, mistrust. With all this comes an unhealthy independency. We become independent in an unhealthy way. We lose our sense of awe and wonder as we get older. We learn how to justify. We learn how to make excuses. But we learn, we learn how to package them in a better way that doesn't look like excuses. And we learn how to lean on our own fleshly carnal logic. We depend on that. Anyone ever experienced anything I'm talking about here? That's what I'm struggling with. We get jaded. We get misinterested. And we tend to get set in our ways the older we get. Our imagination kind of withers away. We gain experience, we win some medals, we achieve a few degrees and earn some wealth. Along the way, we become more self-dependent. And every day we are faced with opportunities to get more and more prideful and self-dependent. That's, this is the world we're living in. Where we sing mantras like, I did it, I did it, I did it. Honestly, the odds are stacked against us. How in the world, like seriously, how in the world are we supposed to maintain a childlike faith in the midst of all that I just said? I felt like in the past couple months, my heart was getting so jaded, was getting so cynical. I was losing the awe and wonder. Like I, 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 I was scrolling through Instagram and one of my friends in the States posted his daughter at the aquarium. And the aquarium shows some dolphin or something. And the little girl, she's like, Whoa! 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 
And my friend posted in that page, if she says whoa one more time, whoa, next post, whoa. I feel him. What's so interesting about dolphins? What's so interesting about sea creatures? You know what I mean? I'm being sarcastic here. They're so interesting. My point is, we become like this. Or is it just me? Maybe you guys are still. Maybe I'll go to the aquarium with you guys and you're like, what? So today I'm going to talk about five marks of a childlike faith. Five marks of a childlike faith. First, childlike faith, one, is marked by humility. As Jesus clearly says here, humility. He says, whoever humbles himself like this child. You know, when it, when, who's heard a message on humility before? Raise your hand. We've all heard messages on humility because we've all heard the gospel. Right? But, and then we hear a message on humility. And then during prayer time, we're like, God, help me to be humble. I'm going to try to be humble now. That coworker, I'm going to try to be humble. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you see we intentionally try to be humble you think children do that? you children I don't know if they intentionally think to themselves I need to be more humble actually nah but children they have a lesser tendency to elevate themselves a lesser tendency why? Because they haven't gone through the experiences and the responsibilities and the comparison and the standards that were so are so in our face. Humble. In Jewish society, did you know that this is gonna sound really sad? In Jewish society, a child was a person of no importance. <laughs> they had no value, children, in Jewish society. They didn't have anything to offer society. Okay? They were not taken seriously except as just a responsibility, a tool to help parents become more godly. Okay? One to be looked after. Children had no concern for social status. Humility. Which leads to the second mark of childlike faith is trust. Trust. Children are dependent on their parents. We should be childlike in our faith, trusting our Heavenly Father the way a kid trusts his or her earthly parents. Earlier I talked about the people of God, the Israelites, their journey from Egypt into the wilderness, into the promised land. You know, when God delivered them out of Egypt, do you know why the wilderness time, 40 years in the wilderness, was such an important time? Because in Egypt, their view of God was that of a slave master. Their view of God was so unlike Yahweh God. And then they cross over into the wilderness and scripture says again and again that God was introducing himself to his children 
as their father, as their father. He was teaching them how to trust them again, teaching them how to lean on, teaching them how to be his children. Trust. We need to declare not our independence. The world says be independent. Be strong in yourself. But in the kingdom of God, we're his children. We're called to declare dependence on our Father. We're called to declare dependence on our Father. And one way, one clear way that this is expressed, you know what it is? It's prayer. How do we know we're actually depending on God? Look at your prayer life. Is there a prayer life? And if you do have a prayer life, how do you pray? What do you pray? Third mark of a childlike faith is teachability. Teachability. Children are meek. Children are curious. Children are learners. They just want to learn. Children, they ask, I feel like the number one question they ask is, why? And this is by theory. I don't have kids, you know? But they ask, why? 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 Because, I'm asking you guys why. Because they wonder. They're curious. They want to learn. They want to understand the things that they're intaking. Teachability. But the thing is, as we get older, as we grow up as adults, the attitude of our whys begin to change. There's two ways to ask why. The childlike faith way of why, like I want to learn, I want to grow. A teachable heart, a meek heart. And then there's the devil's advocate why. Why? Why? I've done this to my, you know, to people in my life. (laughs) I don't ask why because I'm really wondering why. I ask why because I'm questioning them. I want to make them feel bad or something. Like, I ask why, not because I'm open to change my stance or position. I'm asking why because maybe it just, it's just a formality. I'm a pastor. I should ask why, right? There are two ways of asking why. And brothers and sisters, the mark of a childlike faith is to ask why in a way that seeks understanding. Six. Childlike faith is not just saying, oh, just have faith. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, the Bible's too hard to understand. Life is too complicated. Just, just have faith. That's not childlike faith. Childlike faith is all this stuff. Like, Why, Lord? Why? And seeking Him. When you open your Bibles and you read the Bible... Let's read this. Let's read the word of God with a childlike faith. The wonder. Like, God, what do you. What, let's think about, first of all, what this is. That in itself is amazing. And when we read the word of God and we feel that breakthrough, we get that revelation. And that what was once just bland and boring becomes alive and the breath of God. It's like, that's your childlike faith in action right there when reading the word of God. Teachability. Childlike faith is faith seeking understanding. Faith seeking understanding. 
which leads to the fourth, and this is connected. The fourth mark of a childlike faith is awe and wonder. Awe and wonder. Children not only say why, they also say, Whoa! Like I said earlier, Whoa! Whoa! Awe and wonder comes when we recognize how small we are. And we recognize how great God is. But the problem is, like I shared earlier in this message, all these voices and all these experiences comes our way, and then what happens? We become great. Or we think we become great. No longer are we woed by who God is. You know what the expression of you know what happens when we experience awe and wonder? What comes out is praise. Psalm 8, 2, it says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avengers. Praise happens when we have awe and wonder. Awe and wonder of who God is. Those who have faith like a child will hope, will dream, will create, will live life to the full. They'll be excited. They'll have a tender heart. They'll view life with some sort of an adventure lens. Children, awe and wonder. I believe practically something that helps me realign my heart, my jaded and crusty heart <laughs> to, ch- to childlike faith. You know what it is? Nature. Where I become small again and God becomes big. Yesterday we're walking around the ocean. I'm like, whoa. You know, I wasn't like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> In my heart I was like, man, I'm so small. God, you're so big. And the awe was coming back. Praise was filling my heart. My heart was getting tender again. The last mark of a childlike faith is purity. 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 There's a beatitude that Jesus said. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is, this is really important. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. How many of us we want to see God? We want to, I want to see God in my life. I want to see His fingerprints all over the place. It's kind of like that black light that comes over your pillow and you see a bunch of jewel there. Or that black light, you, you, you put it over something, you see fingerprints everywhere. I want God, I want the Holy Spirit to be that black light to me helping me see God's fingerprints everywhere in my life. I want to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. When I first heard this verse, I thought it meant, Blessed are those who resist lustful and sexually immoral thoughts, for they shall see God. I thought this verse meant, Blessed are those who don't watch pornography, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who don't commit sexual sins, for they shall see God. And then later on, I started studying the verse, and then I thought it meant pure in heart was not only just about 
staying sexually pure. Pure in heart also meant pure motives. Having a pure motive in all that we do. But it's quite simple actually. I'm learning these days that pure in heart means faith like a child. Faith like a child. Blessed are those who have childlike faith, for they shall see God. Because childlike faith are those filled with awe, wonder, who trust God, who know who God is as a father. Childlike faith. Pure in heart. Another way I like to say this is unadulterated faith. Can we say that together? Unadulterated faith. One, two, three. Unadulterated faith. And I am purposely losing using this word. We are called to adult, but not be adulterated. We're called to adult, mature, grow up, but not be adulterated. You know, I was looking at, I was, I was studying that word, adultery. When you think about the word adultery, is it positive or negative? Negative. It's linked with sexual adultery. Right? Adultery, I was wondering, why is the word adult in that word? And why is it negative? Where does that come from? And there's two Latin words that the word adult and adultery comes from. It's the same word in English, adult. Adult. The Latin word, I don't know how to say this, adolescere is, means to grow up, to mature. That's how we learn to adult. Adolescere. But the other Latin word is called adulterare. It means what? To corrupt. To corrupt. When our heart becomes adulterated in terms of adulterare, adulterated by the ways of this world, adulterated by our even positive experiences, adulterated by our achievements, adulterated by the ways, the systems of this world, the classism, the comparison, all these things. It's hard to see God because we so see ourselves. We so see ourselves. Our heart becomes so calloused rather than tender. Children, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They have an unadulterated faith. You know why actually I'm preaching this? I want to share more personally why this thing came about. I remember when I first was on fire for the Lord a couple years ago and I was introduced to the Holy Spirit and I would go to classes and go to conferences and even be part of a community where I was taught did you know you can hear God's voice? Did you know there's a thing called the prophetic? Did you know that you can God communicates you know, to you through images and through signs and through people and nature and whatnot. And I was so excited. I was so excited. And I would just go around, just pray for people, you know, receive prayer and be blessed. Oh, I just got an image of 
a waterfall and da 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 God's going to pour out his experience I don't know like you guys know what I'm talking about right my faith was so childlike but along the line of just being in ministry as a full time discipleship pastor you know what I started to do I started to study the Bible which is great (laughs) but as I was gaining knowledge as I was gaining knowledge I did not know that my heart was actually becoming more calloused because knowledge was puffing me up I wasn't approaching the word of God like a child and guess what happened because of this whenever I heard from you know my charismatic brothers and sisters those who kind of walk in that way they share these words or, oh guess what I, this happened to you. I want to share a testimony God spoke to me through I'm like oh that's awesome but inside my heart I was like I'm just imagining things like, like you know I just started becoming very cynical if I would want I started being very judgmental and cynical and then there was a time even like a couple weeks ago without going into too much detail you know my wife you know Pauline she was actually she was she had been given like two different job offers God had opening opened two different doors and she was kind of praying through and, and wondering which door to walk through which door to walk through and then so as a joke as a complete joke here's how like you know hard and crusty my heart was okay <laughs> as a complete joke I was like okay okay fine tomorrow when you're walking around you're going to see people wearing these two specific colors again and again and then when you see those that that's the sign God is speaking to you choose that door to walk through choose that job offer and I have to say it's a joke okay the next day <laughs> the next day you know she messages me and says hey I talked to my current boss and she was giving me all this advice and very helpful advice I think I'm going to walk through this door take this job offer <laughs> in my mind that that job offer was like the colors of you know that, that job but I was like in my mind when I saw that I was walking around outside and in my mind I was like as a joke let me I'm just gonna run around try to find someone wearing that color I just want to go take a picture of that and then send it to my wife oh see God spoke to us so bad I was like mocking mocking it right literally one second after I thought that that I was gonna do that literally one second I lifted my eyes and there's a grandma wearing bright colors those two colors very bright like right in front of me and I was like oh what the <laughs> I took a picture and I sent it to her and half of me was like joking half of me was like God? <laughs> God? the next day I went to uh, a prayer meeting we call it K1 uh, K1 uh, Kingdom First First Tabernacle <laughs> we go to prayer meeting I'm sitting there and I'm praying I'm praying for my heart Honestly, I'm not really doing that well. I don't feel like I'm really connecting with God, but I feel some sort of conviction. I feel like the Holy Spirit is just reminding me of that incident. And I believe 
God gripped my heart and I felt like what he was saying to me was this John I miss when you had childlike faith like that I miss when you were excited to hear my voice in that way how come you don't do that anymore how come you just want to how, how come you want to pick and choose how you want to hear my voice it's like I miss my child but I was trying to be some mature great discipleship pastor that advances above that my heart was like those disciples really immature even on Friday Friday was my birthday and on my birthday I turned 34 years old every Friday morning our staff we have morning devotions and we rotate on what passage to choose to meditate on I go into the office and I sit there and then Pastor Susie who's leading us she goes let's turn to Psalm chapter 34 okay and I'm like, ha, 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 again, that's so cool, God. Yeah, that's so cool. Pastor Susie, you're choosing Psalm 34. You're choosing Psalm 34. Cause I, and she looked at me like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, you know. <laughs> she was like, no, I don't know. I'm like, it's my birthday. I'm turning 34 today. And she was like, oh, actually, I didn't know that. At that moment, too. It's like I, I came in a fork in the road. One way says, oh, it's just coincidence. It's just coincidence. Another way, it says, God is speaking to me. I feel like God is trying to communicate to me. He wants to bless me through this psalm. Yeah. There's all those forks in the road that I come across a lot these days. Oh, I chose to preach on childlike faith. Oh, I forgot it was Father's Day today in America. Oh, is that... Oh, that's just coincidence. Or, oh, God is speaking to me. John, I want you to preach this message. It's for somebody. When I walked in here, it's a toy museum. Fork in the road. Oh, it's just coincidence. I happen to be preaching about childlike faith at a toy museum. It's just coincidence. Or, God is saying, Oh, I know your faith is not is weak. I know you need another confirmation. I got you. Toy museum. Go for it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I feel like the word that I have for this community uh, and, and, and also I claim for myself my wife asked me year 34 what do you want year 34 to look like and it became clear to me for me personally I want to it's going to be the year where I want to restore childlike faith I want God to make my heart tender again and I pray that for this community here in Busan that we would get used to walking with the Lord every day expecting Him to speak to us and sometimes it's going to take times where we have to humble ourselves and stop calling things lame <laughs> I'm speaking to myself 
Sometimes God's like trying to speak to me, and my pride is like, that's so lame. That's so cheesy. Like, oh, that's so cheesy. But I feel like sometimes God does that on purpose to kind of chop away at our pride. Brothers and sisters, are you listening? Are we listening? God wants to speak to you. God wants to walk with you very intimately. And my last um, thing I'd like to say is this. Childlike faith, it means, to me what it means is to walk in total freedom. I believe freedom looks like walking as a child of God. Free from all these things, all these voices, all the culture, all the stuff that we intake that tries to shape our identity, that tries to think we're better than those who hear from the Lord in that way. Free from those things. I believe that's freedom. Because I tell you, the greatest freedom is when you see God, when you're walking with God. He makes it very clear. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, uh, let's take some time to pray. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany, could you uh, play piano for us? <laughs> Thank you. So, I don't know if the word spoke to you or not. I don't know if I heard right, quote unquote, but I choose to believe that I did. I choose to believe that my father was speaking to me. I choose to believe that on this Father's Day, my father was holding my hand and I was learning to minister with him. So I wanted to just take some time to pray. And when I, I want to ask you to kind of visualize. It's a, I'm going to lead us through an activity actually that it's going to require some childlike faith. It's going to require some, some laying down of our pride for some of us. I'm going to ask us to use your imagination and hold out your hand and imagine holding your heart. Holding your heart. And I'd like to invite us to ask, ask the Holy Spirit, what does my heart look like? Lord, help me to see my heart. What shape is my heart? Is it in the shape of a world, the world, a symbol of the world? Is it in the shape? Is it calloused? I keep using that word crusty, you know? Is it like that? Is it Soft? Is it tender? Is it like a baby? Why don't you ask, what does my heart look like, Lord? And what caused it to look like this? What caused it to be like this, Lord? So, Father, Will you come speak to your children? Speak to us, Abba Father. 
Let us hear your voice. Let us hear your thoughts, God. why don't you just ask Abba Father starting with calling him Abba Father will you soften my heart would you make my heart tender again heal me from all that has wounded my heart heal me from all that has shaped my heart heal me from all that has warped how I see you heal me Mold my heart, Father, to be humble, to trust you, to be teachable, to be filled with awe and wonder, and to be pure and unadulterated. Just between you, between you and your Abba Father. lastly just ask him will you speak to me this week will you speak to me this week help me to be open to your voice speak to me Lord help me to converse with you teach me how to converse with you in this life together why don't you take some time to ask God that and I'll close us in prayer